Yeah, all right. That should be good. Uh, should I open this one up, or do you want to do it? Leave me in. Okay. <sighs> all right, I got to warm up for this episode. Where's that bag of crow? Here we go. <sighs> oh, God, I feel evil. All right, let's get this started. Welcome to Blunderphonics, where we put Satan's most true cults to shame. We are back with another black metal episode. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. I'm Jack Durback, also known as Corpse Boy. <laughs> I'm Spencer Faust, known as Husky. And um, <laughs> do you know that bit in The Princess Bride where they, they put him on that machine that just sucks the years out of his life? <laughs> They crank it up to, they crank the pain up to 10. That's where I'm at. I, I feel I'm like. I'm mostly dead. I feel like the dark crystal just sucked all of the youth out of me, and I'm a little withered puppet. Today, we are going to further dive into the backstory of Varg Vikernes, one of the most famous black metal musicians of all time. In the last episode, we talked about how he was the bassist for Mayhem, a band that arguably pioneered black metal along with its main songwriter, Euronymous, who just so happened to be murdered by Varg, sending him to prison for the maximum sentence in Norway of 21 years. Very fair. Very fair sentence we established. That's right. Some would argue that he deserved more or deserved no more life, but you know, you pick and choose 21 years, it's a good compromise. While Euronymous was seen as the godfather of black metal, and the reason why Norwegian extreme metal flourished as it did in the 90s, I think nowadays a lot of people think of Burzum when they think of black metal. They think of Varg's solo project, where he does everything. He does all the music, vocals, drums, guitar, keyboards. Varg is seen as a black metal, what's the word? A black metal savant. Ooh, okay. He is truly skilled at the dark washed atmosphere of feeling like you want to be dead. Now, as we've talked about in the last episode, there are a lot of horrible, horrible people involved with Norwegian black metal. A lot of terrible things happened. Most definitely. I mean, Necro Butcher was on his way to kill Euronymous before Varg already did it. It, it was a race to see who could kill this man. <laughs> Thankfully, even though we had to introduce a warning onto that episode, we are not going to get nearly that dark on this episode. But I thought Varg was such a fascinating person that he needed his own episode. Fascinating. Fascinating is the word we're going with. Okay. What's a better word for that? Uh, horrifying. Horrifying is yeah, a good word. Yeah, disgusting. Disappointing. Um, yes. Uh, shameful. Shameful person. It's kind of like watching Investigation Discovery. It's horrible to watch murder happen, but like, how come I keep watching hours of it? I can't stop watching these episodes of 48 hours. These are terrible people. But it's so much fun. I have popcorn here. What am I doing here, Spencer? It compels to the deepest depths of our souls, Jack. That's what it does. It's true. Whether or not you are a person that could separate art from the artist, it's undeniable that the fucked up shit surrounding mayhem is what made black metal what it is today. And without these terrible people, we might not even be talking about mayhem or Burzum, Varg, whoever. So let's go ahead and reel back to Varg's childhood. Because you have to think to yourself, what the fuck happens to somebody to make them an evil neo-Nazi who murders people? You do, in fact, have to ask that. 
I think it's the court's job to ask that. And uh, when they did, they came up with 21 years. So uh, someone failed along the line. <laughs> we have to start with when he was just a kid in elementary school. Did he also get beaten to death and no. then revived? No, he wasn't. In fact, mm. he saw himself as impervious. Oh, His father was an electronics engineer who was hired to move to Baghdad when he was just six years old to help Saddam Hussein with a computer program. I don't know what? if that's related to bioweapons or to beating Minesweeper. I, that's what it was. He was working on a task program to get the new fucking Minesweeper world record. He needed help speedrunning Legend of Zelda, and he was like, I, I need some Norwegian electronics engineer to help me out. And Varg moved to Baghdad when he was just six years old because his father was aiding a dictator. How's that for the start of a neo-Nazi, Spencer, working with Saddam? It's I, I love that, that this podcast is an interconnecting web of people. We got Phil Spector leaping across generations. We got, <laughs> we got all these ghosts coming back. Alan McGee crawling around from the grave like he's from black metal. Exactly. And now we've got Saddam Hussein back in another episode after the Dixie Chicks. <laughs> It really, music is a wonderful thing. We're all connected in a way. It's a small it world It's all after about all. building a community. Uh, yeah, community. Exactly what we talked about with the last episode. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so while Varg's father was helping Saddam beat Solitaire in record time, he had to go to an Iraqi elementary school. There were no English schools around the area, so he had to kind of assimilate with their culture. Now, we established that most black metal fans from the 90s were racist and homophobic. How did he fit in in Iraq? He noticed something. Something that I think was ingrained into his brain. Corporal punishment was a thing in elementary schools where you would be physically punished if you were being a bad kid. Mm-hmm. Just like how you would have your hands chopped off if you stole in the Gaza Strip. Yeah. That's right. And I'm just saying it worked. He was never touched. He could go up to a teacher and call them a monkey, which he did, and he was not physically reprimanded because he thought, I'm the only white guy here. They're not going to dare touch me. I have so much more power than these people. He was the only one that had this, like, invulnerability shield around him. And why? Being around this culture and being treated different made him feel more powerful than the rest of them. Is it because... Hang on. Okay. Why wasn't he hurt? Is it because Saddam Hussein personally brought his, like, father into the country? It, it could have been, like, I'm. he's the one white kid here. I'm not going to smack him and see what the white parents are going to do to me. It could have been that. I'm not entirely sure. Not All that I do know is that he attributes it to the fact that he's white and he is untouchable. And I So definitely, definitely still racist. Okay, got it. Definitely still racist. Huge neo-Nazi. And this starts when he's six. He's six years old. I was, I got glasses and I, I had a Hedwig plush toy. What the fuck now, is going on in I'll Europe? I'll say again, early childhood issues. We are one for two on the serial killer uh, uh, train. Spencer, I'd Let's say we're- see where it goes from here. I'd say we're two for two. We already know he stabs a guy to death. <laughs> We kind, of got me there. Got, we kind of already got that clue. Got me there. Now, you could say that this is where it was set in stone that he felt superior. But, of course, it wasn't just limited to school. His father, despite not wanting his kid to grow up to be a Nazi and 
arguing with his kid as he showed these superior tendencies, did have his own swastika flag and constantly argued about how many black people were in Norway. What? I'm don't worry. so con- Don't worry, his mom is better. His mom just didn't want him dating any black girls. Fucking continue. <laughs> I can't. No, I can't. What? I don't want you to be a neo-Nazi son. Uh, because their time is past. Their time their is time, past. Listen, I, I I get it. We just need to we need to idolize them as they were in the past. But you need to go on and make a new movement. <laughs> Black metal. <laughs> <laughs> when Varg was eleven or twelve in 1985, his father eventually left him and his mother. I'm assuming because he saw his son was becoming the Antichrist and had to get the hell out of there and be racist somewhere else. No, Muammar Gaddafi just needed help beating Mario 64, so he was. <laughs> He was off. <laughs> For all I know, maybe he like looked at his 12-year-old son, looked at Saddam Hussein and his bioweapons, and dusted his hands off and said, my work here is done, and left. Ugh. <sighs> Honestly, the dad's the real winner in this story. He left. He left while he was ahead. Varg is also known as being a teetotaler, which, if you don't know what that means, he never drank any alcohol throughout his life. Mm-hmm. He had other vices, though, like racism. <laughs> That's right. He didn't drink, he didn't do any recreational drugs, and he avoided pharmaceuticals unless absolutely necessary. That means that, yes, there were sober people in the black metal community who still decided to do these awful things. It just goes to show, being straight edge isn't a golden personality trait. (laughs) He instead found pleasure diving into the lore of Middle Earth and J.R.R. Tolkien's writings. In fact, I think we kind of mentioned this a little bit in the first part, his name that he went under, Count Grishnak, was an orc in the Two Towers, and Burza means darkness on the One Ring. So he's a big fucking nerd and also evil. I didn't party hard when I was a teenager. I loved Lord of the Rings. I didn't become a neo-Nazi. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, There's clearly some underlying issues at play here. <laughs> It, it's very clearly Dungeons and Dragons that did this, Spencer. Not all nerds. That's just that's all I'm saying. All right. He rolled a crit fail and became a Nazi during character creation. It happened. Fucking, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Who knew that Pathfinder meant the path to Satan? Turns out, at six years old, picked up a cursed item on the playground. <laughs> His alignment changed instantly that day. It's terrible. Now we did talk a lot about Varg in our previous episode with Mayhem, and a lot of the meat of his story is with the band. However, during 1992 and 1993, while he was working with the band, he was recording under the name of Burzum, and recorded four albums during that time, and his specific style was to record using borrowed equipment from friends, and if that wasn't the case, the cheapest shit he could find to get that true raw quality that everyone strives to avoid. Go on. (laughs) Do go on. While Burzum had four albums recorded between 1992 and 1993, something kind of happened with Varg. He stabbed Euronymous, and he was sentenced to 21 years in prison. That's where we left off on the last episode, and you would think, okay, he rots in jail for 21 years. But that's not quite how Norway prisons work, Spencer. You see, not only did he have access to toilets, showers, and a bed, he wasn't being tortured to death like he wanted. Oh, he was allowed... Guy, poor guy. He was allowed a lot of creative freedoms while in jail. Yes, throughout these 21 years in prison that he was sentenced, he continued to make and release music, write books, and even form his own organizations. Let's talk a little bit about these. 
Yeah, I would just love to I would love to talk about these organizations. I've been led to believe that the prison systems in in Baltic countries is really the way we should be doing things that oh like a like a Finnish prison cell is is like a a nice American apartment. I'm starting to think that this is the drawback to that. <laughs> too much freedom. Maybe we're a little too nice to Varg. It kind of sounds like a rent-free apartment to me. Mhm. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. Do they give him a synth? Oh, Yes, they do, Spencer. Yes, they do. In fact, maybe a a drum kit, uh, like a, a a bass guitar, something like that. The thing is, that's all they would give him for his music. Only a synthesizer. <laughs> oh, what would Dead think? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a dungeon for him. He just did a head palm, and he was like, "Oh my god, what am I supposed to do with this?" And he made two albums under the name of Burzum while in prison. Now, while two of the Not albums... Not only did they give him a synth, they gave him the ability to make records? What? <laughs> yeah, he actually was able to produce and release albums. They have a prison studio? Yeah, he had a... The, pr- the wardens on the mixing table, just like, <laughs> oh, that was fine, yeah, let's just do it, let's do a second take if you don't mind. The precaution oh, nope. is... Time for your three hots and a cot. All right, back, t- back to it. <laughs> Session time's up, let's go make license plates. The precaution's just him running his lunch tray over the iron bars of his cell. <laughs> He had the capabilities of not only recording and releasing music from prison, two of his most popular albums were released while he was in jail, which he pre-recorded. They even said, you know what, you've already done some work, you could go ahead and release those. And those are his two most well-known and respected albums. Post-murder. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves there. Let's go back to that organization I brought up. The organization that he allegedly, not by him, but by another Norwegian scholar who kind of did some research. The Red Cross. Not quite, although he did like to uh, mention crosses a lot. He formed Uh-oh. the Norwegian Heathen Front, which is which was, thankfully it was uh, broken up. It was a pagan neo-Nazi group. However... Do the prison officials, like, they're giving him a synth. They're giving him the ability to write books. Are they also publishing this shit for him? Or... <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, what's Varg been up to? What's he been, what's he been doing? What's Grishnak on? Well, <laughs> that's the thing. He's made two hot synth albums. He's also, uh, appearing to start the Norwegian Heathen Front. I wish I could stop him, but I'm obliged to publish this. The one thing I have to give the prison systems is that the one thing they didn't want him to do, and the one thing that is illegal, is to form and lead a political group while in prison, which is why he said he never formed it. And why it's alleged from other scholars. Okay. Basically, what happened was he formed it, said, oh, no, that wasn't by me. And the sh- the prison guard just shrugged and said, oh, okay. And they left. I'm pretty sure that's what fucking happened. This is how Keemstar is allowed to continue running drama alert, just so you know. <laughs> that's- yeah, Varg denies ever forming the Norwegian Heathen Front, saying that he was only a group member of the Society for the Preservation of Traditional Standard Norwegian, which is about, you know, conserving Norway's traditions blah 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 racism yeah the yeah the traditions of church burning and uh murdering gay people and uh throwing heads around exactly you know these are all classic traditions known to wasn't the whole thing of black metal to off-put the normies right wasn't that the point like to be counterculture well, that's the problem, as hell spencer they're all against traditional Norwegian family values. Nobody's doing it anymore, so they have to bring it back, and it makes them uncomfortable. 
It's like the conservatives who think they're the new punks. Okay, yeah, I got it. Oh, yeah, that that's a wonderful. They're like the right-wing version of, like, the punk groups who are super extreme and like to, like, destroy... Nazi punks. Who like to destroy and, like, fight people. Yeah. Except this time they're uh, evil Satan worshippers. Mm-hmm. Now, right. Varg, Varg did say that, you know, he didn't form this organization, but he couldn't really explain why the organization's listed address was his prison P.O. box... Um, so the prison was still getting the letters and saying, well, he can't see this. It's illegal. And they just like threw him away. So even if he did form it, he didn't really lead it all that much, which I'm assuming is why it led to eventually being broken up and dissipating. But it did happen. He did try to get this weird formation of neo-Nazis on his side while he was in prison. He also wrote two books, one being called Varg's Speech, which instantly makes me think of Mein Kampf, but no, it was just him saying that the media was out to get him, which is, I thought, which, his point originally. I don't understand that. Also like, not terribly far off from Mein Kampf, but... Not terribly far off, but uh, he was like, I told the media I would shoot them if they told on me. Why are they mad at me? So what it sounds like is the prison system is really reforming him. Yeah, pretty much. He's becoming a much nicer guy. Um, he also wrote a book called Teutonic Mythology and Worldview, where he talked about how Norse mythology and going back to pagan gods is the way the world should be going to. Yeah. Now, while he did associate himself with Nazis during the 90s, he has since gone on record saying that he distances himself from those groups. He doesn't see himself as a Nazi Rather, he sees himself as an Odinist, which is the same thing, but with a cooler name. I thought maybe he wanted to distance himself from it because that's what his dad would have wanted. <laughs> his dad wouldn't want him to be a Nazi. He wanted to reconnect with him. So he's like, no, nah, I'm not a Nazi. I'm a uh, Atsine. That's what I am. I'm an Odinist. What is that? Well, <laughs> well, you know, I, I like Vikings. And I hate Jews. Oh, hold on. No, no, no. No, Varg, let's walk it back to point two. (laughs) Now, through him writing these books and forming the Norwegian Heathen Front, being at the center of the Black Circle, he ended up making a lot of friends on the inside and outside of prison. One of these friends was Tom Eternis. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've given up. Once again, you're not. Just embrace it. (laughs) He made friends with Tom in prison and... In a stunning display that seems to happen constantly in Norway, Tom was given leave, and during this leave, he decided to escape. He ran away, he decided to avoid the cops, and he formed a group of four other neo-Nazis and created his own death squad armed to the teeth to break Varg out of prison and kill the leftist and religious figures of Norway with him. The five neo-Nazis went to Varg's mother and said that he was being beaten up in prison and they needed 100,000 kroner, which is approximately 10,000 U.S. dollars. Who doesn't? She said, oh no, not my poor baby, and gave them the money. (laughs) Thankfully, they were arrested, but they were all eventually released because they couldn't really pin anything on them. I don't know if Tom actually went back to jail or if he escaped. They're like, ah, fine, you earned it, and he just was released back in the wild. He's home free. (laughs) I just realized there's a big hole in my notes for that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about these synth albums now, because he was really hoping to break out and get to play some guitars, but he couldn't. So he decided to opt for making ambient dungeon synth music, 
Dungeon Synth Spencer is actually something we both have listened to quite a bit, mm-hmm. but we don't really know it as that name. Whenever you play a video game and you're in a dungeon, that's Dungeon yep. Synth. The one thing, though, is that Dungeon Synth is not even close to what Black Metal is trying to do. No guitars. It's him pretty much pretending to play folk instruments on a MIDI keyboard. Yeah. And his two synth albums were incredibly disparaged by the black metal community. Oh, no. They thought it sounded like a crappy keyboards, like it was recorded in a prison, and, like, nobody wants to listen to this shit. This wasn't even made in a dungeon. (laughs) Exactly. This sucks. Exactly. It didn't sound anything like what Burzum used to be, and nobody accepted it. Even people who like ambient music listen to it and they're like, this just sounds like an asshole trying to make ambient music because he can't make anything else. The first album he recorded, he was given several months with a keyboard. I'm assuming the guards listened to this music, thought it was so terrible that the second time he wanted a keyboard, they only gave him a week. You know, we need some prison reform. (laughs) We need to give people more access to synthesizers is what you're saying, right, Spencer? That's exactly right, yes. (laughs) <laughs> I think there's we need to talk about some justice issues in Norway. Um, the maximum sentence is too high. They don't give you enough synth time. Honestly, they should just tell you don't do that again. That's all you need. They yeah, need to know that what honestly, they did was bad. Norway is tyranny is what I'm saying. After the horrible critical raising of his two albums, much like what he used to do with churches, he decided to put the Burzum Project on hold. Not because he realized he was making terrible music, but because... His black metal fan base was ignorant of his current philosophies. They didn't understand that this music meant something way more than black metal ever did. And he decided just to wait until he could play crappy black metal again. Now, in order to record a black metal album, he needed to get out of prison. And he had the opportunity in 2003 when he was transferred to a much lower security prison. After receiving some death threats and at one point being strangled, by somebody due to people realizing who he was, and he decided he needed to get out. So he talked to some people on the outside and arranged an escape plan. Okay. He was granted a short leave and then left. He just ran away. That was the plan? That was the grand escape plan. He, he was like, they're, they're going to give me leave. I thought we were going to make like a ladder out of pipes. I thought maybe we were going to like sneak into the bread truck. No, I think when whenever you read the sentence... He was given leave from a Norwegian prison. They just open the doors and they say, please be back. Scout's honor. <laughs> he went to a vehicle. Hey, guys, you're coming back, right? Just you got to you got to <laughs> promise me. You got to promise you're coming back. We love our free range prisoners here. They always feel more free. <laughs> free range prisoners. <laughs> He walked. So he just he just he walked just and left. that was it. He just left. He hijacked the car. And they didn't send any they didn't send anyone to go look for him. No, just. they didn't until he held up a car at gunpoint of a family of 3 and he stole their vehicle. Then they called the cops and they're like, "Oh shit, a carjacking." And it was just so by happenstance that it was a guy they left on leave. They're like, "Oh, you weren't supposed to do any more crime." Farg wouldn't do that. He's fixed now. Exactly. Look when at all the, the fan mail he gets from this loving community he's built of skinheads and fucking <laughs> monsters. <laughs> when they found him in the car, I don't know how long it took before they pulled him over. I'm going to assume for comedic effect it was five minutes. He already had the car loaded with knives, a gas mask, camouflage clothes, a GPS navigator, maps, 
compasses, laptops, mobile phones so we could keep access. And they were like, oh shit, there aren't that many weapons here. They found a cabin where he was storing a handgun and assault rifle for when the cops came for him so he could fight them off. And they said, oh, there it is. That wasn't very good. Get back in prison. Bad boy. (laughs) Slap. Because of his stockpiling of massive amounts of weapons and very clearly wanting to escape imprisonment, they decided that, yeah, you know what? You were working with people on the outside to help get you out. I think they're just saying that to look better because they just let him out. This was premeditated. You were supposed to serve 21 years and try to escape that. We have to extend your sentencing to an additional 13 months. Oh my god. Slap on the wrist Stop it. Stop it. They couldn't even do 21 months. Not even 21. They, they don't even... Maybe 13 was funny because, you know, unlucky. Friday the 13th, Black Mill was something evil. Yeah, oh, I'm glad they're being real clever with it now. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad. In order to avoid further public scrutiny, he decided he was going to change his name legally to Louis Cachet. Uh, however, he still goes by Varg. He just puts up the public name as a front so people would stop beating him up in prison. His last name comes from his wife, who he met while in prison, Marie Cachet. Their first two sons were born in 2007 and 2008 before his release from prison, which makes me think that they have some fucking wicked conjugal visits in Norway. Don't worry, Spencer. He didn't actually just have a woman brought into his prison cell. He was let out to go to her family farm in France so he could visit her and his growing family during his final years in prison. Yeah, you know, um, because that worked well last time. That It was great last time we let him out. He was finally released in 2009 with his game plan of being having as much children as possible with Marie Cachet. As of 2017, they have had a total of six children, and they plan to have even more. And I'm assuming this is so they could raise a breed of villainous pagan Jew killers? personally Mm -hmm. but who knows maybe they're just family people go my brood they can't arrest us all (laughs) oh my god after his release he would continue to record as burzum releasing some black metal albums but then eventually went back to ambient music for the last two burzum releases despite everyone telling him stop doing that you suck at it he's like "Ah, i like this better and decided Every time he would release an ambient album, he would say, this is the last one. This will be the last great Burzum project. Everyone said it sucked. He said, okay, this one's the last one. Like ambient now, please. But they're not, I mean, listen, the thing about it is it's dungeon music, but you can't force him to listen to it like it's a dungeon. You can't. You really can't force it on You can't chain him down and make him like your music. He had a little bit more creative freedom to write when he was out of prison, Spencer. Why do they keep giving him more freedoms? Well, he was actually out of prison at this point. No, but why is he earning more freedoms? Just the prison system is not helping. Well, It's not done anything. Yeah, he was able to expand after prison finally unshackled him from only recording two albums and forming an organization, kind of. After he was released in 2009... Some of the other creative works he worked on was an English book, his first, in 2011. This was his version of history, and it was called Sorcery and Religion in Ancient Scandinavia. So this, he's he's doing he's doing a nice rewrite on all of history. Yes, he completely ignored all academic research, and everything in the book is complete fantasy by him. Just what he thinks happened without any research, he just said, this is what happened because I said so. Which is how I think 
our government works as well. So, I mean, this is probably the least evil thing that he's done. Okay. Okay. He and his right. wife also got a little bit into the indie film scene, creating a movie called Four Bears, which covered bear worship during the time of the Neanderthals, in which he said that Neanderthals were the caveman version of autistic people. Uh, um, an entire species of human? I don't know if he's saying autistic people were our forefathers. I don't, I don't, I don't know what he's saying here. He's weird. And he's worshiping bears. Guys, I think I get it. Bear worship causes autism. I think that's, I think that's probably the, the take he was going for. Yeah, and, bears cause autism. And you know what? To be honest, uh, we've been grasping at straws to figure out what causes it. I'm willing to throw my weight behind this one. This makes sense. <laughs> Of course it's not vaccines. I'm an intellectual. It's bear worship. <laughs> you can't prove to me that it isn't bears. And if you do, I'm not listening. Even though he was released from prison and moved to France, the French police were a little bit more critical and kept much more of a keen eye on the actions of Varg. During 2011, there was a terrorist attack in Norway. It is kind of like their version of 9-11. 77 people were killed and it's known by the date, I think it's uh, 722 for July 22nd. The perpetrator, Andrew Berwick, sent out his manifestos to many people, one of which including Varg, huh. saying that he was a huge inspiration to carry out this terrorist attack to bring Norway back to where it should be. Just wanted to say, you're my hero. Uh, I want to thank God for this one. Uh, couldn't have gotten here without, oh, so many people, mom, uh, dad left for Baghdad, uh, Varg. Varg is number one. Varg, you inspired me. <laughs> he so actually took the letter and read it and went, okay, I kind of get where he was coming from, but he's not doing it because of what he thinks he's doing it for. He said that he actually, he said that this terrorist didn't do this to bring Norway back to where it needs to be. He said that the Jews made him do it. And it was a larger Jewish conspiracy to destroy Norway. And they picked on a Christian loser to do their bidding. To be clear, this is Varg repostulating why this guy did what he did. Yes, he, he's saying, hey, no, the Jews made you do it. However, he had the French police's eye after re receiving a terrorist manifesto. And I... after his wife went to the local Walmart to buy a couple of items from the grocery store uh, for assault weapons, they were both arrested for planning a terrorist attack themselves. Somehow we keep finding new ways to throw the Jews back into it and make them the bad guys here. So uh, it just... <laughs> Oh, just out man. of nowhere. He's just like, eh, Jews. I hate them. There was a recent movie that was released called uh, Lords of Chaos. It was based off of a book which was written all about mayhem and the black metal scene where a lot of this information comes from. A lot of the people involved in the black metal scene hate the movie. They say that it that and the book really played up a lot of the worst aspects and it really wasn't as bad retrospectively. Varg didn't like it because he was played by a Jew. <laughs> which... I don't know. I would feel pretty weird if I was a Jewish person playing Hitler. When you, I mean, when you get paid to do that, doesn't it feel like the ultimate fuck you to that anti-Semitic piece of shit? <laughs> it's a real Jojo Rabbit, I guess. I guess that's fair. However, while both of his, both he and his wife were arrested because she bought four assault weapons just because she can, mm -hmm. they couldn't make it stick that they were plotting something. They didn't have any proof. But you know what they did have in France? They arrested Varg on hate speech charges because they found out he had himself 
not only a blog, but a little YouTube channel called Thulian Perspective. He was arrested because he would often go on rants against Muslims and the Jewish people. He just said, I want to bring us back to pre-industrial paganism, and that's what my YouTube channel and blog is for. What? What's wrong with hating Muslims and Jews? Yeah, come on. Let me be me. Uh, he was eventually fined for this, and he was forced to remove his anti-Semitic rants from YouTube. So instead, it was just his YouTube channel full of him talking about mythology, and he and his family fucking around on their farm, talking about autistic bears, or whatever the hell he thinks he's doing. Luckily, I was going to do a little bit of a clarification that whenever we talk about artists, we have a couple layers of crazy to dig through. Or we have a couple of layers protecting us from the crazy. I usually read reports or, like, books about the subject matter. And the worst we get is just hearing what the artist has to say. But usually their platform is through interviews. I don't think we've ever had an artist who just flat out went on YouTube and just started saying anti-Semitic stuff. And I was going to say that while I have watched his YouTube videos, I was going to say don't look it up. But luckily I don't have to anymore. Because YouTube in 2019 decided to take action against hate speech on their platform. And they banned him from ever making YouTube channels again. Oh, brilliant. You weren't missing much. It was him just kind of sitting in a farmhouse talking about, like, Vikings. And all the comments were, you know, neo-Nazis. And it made me very uncomfortable. And I'm very happy that I never, ever have to think about it again. How recently was this removed? June 2019. Wow, that is recent. After he realized this, he decided he was going to make a new one and just repost things. And YouTube said, no, you can't have a YouTube channel anymore. We are banning you from our platform. We don't want your kind here. Won't someone think of the oppressed neo-Nazis, though? God, these poor guys. With his YouTube channel being banned, and with each of his Burzum projects being ambient music that no one gives a shit about, as of March 2020, he has released what he has called the final Burzum album, which I'm sure he'll be back in a few years to release some other crap. But due to him having the eye of the French police on him and his hate speech, being banned on YouTube, and a lot of the black metal community just outright just disowning him, he has pretty much only survived off of the fact that he's a murderer. He's like O.J. Simpson now. Oh, good. It's like, yeah, he's a big name, but like at what cost? And I want to kind of reach out and say that I am somebody who doesn't think that a genre causes violence. You know, I'm not going to say Dungeons and Dragons and black metal is what caused these people to do what they've done. And the modern black metal scene outright disowns the personal actions of all of these old black metal artists from the 90s in Norway. And we have a lot of bands like Deaf Heaven, who are like people like us, like kids in college just playing it because they like the sound, who get shit on on the internet because they're not true cult enough. I'm glad we're away from all of this, honestly. I'm glad to see that he is surviving and barely managing to keep any sort of interest from the public. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Because it's, it's a good genre. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I, I hated the vocals on the Mayhem album we listened to last week, but the sound here is pretty cool. It's it's ambient metal. It, it, it makes you appreciate things like Loveless, too. I know, it kind of opens up your eyes a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm glad that the scene itself seemed to have died with all these horrible, horrible neo-Nazi views in the 90s. And it's while, yes, good that it grew out of what it was in the 90s. Yeah, it's great. You look at it, and of course there's going to be groups 
who try to hold on to those views. But I'm glad that it's not... It's frowned upon in that community now. That That's something that makes me at least feel better when I listen to something like Def Heaven and be like, you know, I don't need to listen to these horrible murderers. I, I've got better options now. I, I feel more comfortable listening to just some kids in college doing this shit. Rather than bird sniffers. Rather than murderers. Homophobes. Psychopaths. And I'm happy to say that Last time I heard of Varg, he and his wife were planning to take over France and kill the minorities, and they were arrested. I don't know if they're still in prison, but I just thought that was very nice that how, even to this day, their crazy antics are being shut down immediately. I just, they haven't really learned a lesson yet at this point, have they? There is a lot of people who say prison reformant should be a thing. He's one of those people that makes it really hard to understand, can certain people be reformed? He just seems so evil, but now he's so, like, neutered that his whole image has dissipated, and now he's just, he's just a Nazi that should be ignored. That being said, love the first two albums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm happy that we're finally done with black metal. It is a genre that I don't know if we should revisit all that often. If you have any recommendations, feel free to visit me on my Rate Your Music page, The Dissonant Opinion. The last episode, Mayhem, was requested by number 947. Thank you so much for listening in and recommending this dark couple of episodes that made me really realize that, you know, misanthropy, I can understand. I do hate people. Um, (laughs) If there's any crazy stories you have, I'm always over there. And I'm constantly getting new requests, and I absolutely love branching out and listening to new music. I, as always, am am stoked to see that people, again, like the show, are engaging, recommending stuff to us. It makes me happy that people are enjoying this. Spencer, is there anything you would like to plug? Yeah, go check out my video on my YouTube channel. It's linked down in the description on Metal Gear Solid 2, and keep an eye out for part two coming soon. All right, I'm looking forward to that. I need something lighthearted after these dark couple of episodes. That you do. That you do. I'm just happy we're moving on from this, Spencer. Are you ready to hear what we're going to listen to next episode? Please. Please. It's called Death Metal. Fuck! (laughs) Don't worry. It's not what you think it's going to sound like. It's not actually Death Metal. What? You'll have to tune in next time, Spencer. Is this a Miley Cyrus album named Death Metal? What's happening here? (laughs) Yes. Ouch. You fucking guess it. All right. I guess that episode's over with. Thank you all so much for listening in on this strange two-parter episode. Mmm. Be gone, nihilism. I banish thee.